0: Welcome to Warshaw Burstein Perspectives, our continuing series of podcasts to help you understand the key issues at the intersection of law and business. I'm John Metaxas, and today we'll be speaking about opportunities for foreign investors in New York real estate. We're pleased to have two partners at Warshaw Burstein with us today, Mike Zuckerman and Barry Klingman. Gentlemen, good to be with you. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. Mike, uh, you've done an earlier podcast on EB5 investing. Could you quickly remind us what that is and what are the other ways that foreign investors are getting into
1: New York real estate? EB5 is a program established by the federal government in 1991, whereby people could basically buy the right to become, uh, to get a green card and be residents of the United States and ultimately towards citizenship. And what you did in that program is you invest $500,000, you create 10 jobs, and in exchange for that, you get a green card. The investments have been focused primarily today in New York and in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Um, I would say 60 to 70% of them are in right now in, either in New York City, New York City Metro, San Francisco Metro, or Los Angeles Metro. And most investors today are also focusing on those locations, the northeast, the the eastern seaboard, and, and the California coast.
0: So they're building commercial properties? Are they buying apartments? What types
1: of investments are we talking about? They're basically buying into projects that generate jobs, like hotels and like senior housing.
0: And has this always been the case? What uh, historically have been the kinds of investments that uh, uh, foreign buyers have uh, taken?
1: Most of the foreign buyers, non-EB5, have been looking to buy what I would say trophy properties. Focused again on um, the East Coast and on uh, California and Seattle. And they are generally office buildings, high-end residential and and high-end retail.
0: Which countries have provided most of the investors,
1: and how has that mix been changing over the years? According to a recent article issued by Newmark, Frank, Knight Frank, the largest country investing in the United States is Canada, with 42%, and then it's France, Singapore, China, and Germany occupying another 40%, and then everybody else goes down from there. That is a change over prior years, there were much larger investments from China. There were much larger investments from Russia. That seems to have almost dwindled to nothing, as it, I guess as part of the sanctions. And uh, the U.K. was a major investor and is no longer a major investor in the United States.
0: Now, uh, Barry, uh, what's unique about the structure of these transactions for a, a foreign buyer and how does that uh, differ from a U.S. buyer?
2: Um, my response to that will depend on whether you're... You're talking about a buyer who's just buying a, um, uh, a, a basically a single-family home uh, or a, a high-end apartment in other words a, an individual buyer or are you talking about a buyer um, more likely to be institutional who's investing in a uh, in a large either residential or commercial property uh, the institutional investors Uh, will come in, for the most part, through uh, U.S. subsidiary corporations. And once uh, they've capitalized these corporations, the the way in which they structure their real estate investments do not differ uh, significantly from U.S. investors, Uh, with one uh, small exception, and that is that depending on the country. Uh, involved uh, whether there are there's a uh, favorable treaty at work the extent to which investments will be leveraged may differ and also the dividend policy of the US subsidiary through which the investment is held may differ uh, as far as individual investors are concerned they have to uh, be aware of the fact that if they die owning a U.S. property or a U.S. entity, uh, they will be, or their estates will be subject to a uh, federal estate tax, which gets fairly steep fairly quickly. The federal estate tax uh, for non resident alien uh, decedents basically gives you a $60,000 exemption as opposed to the uh, the 10-11 million dollar exemption allowed to US citizens and you're in the 40 percent bracket after about a million dollars. So if you're sitting, uh, if you die owning an apartment that's worth 30 million dollars in New York City, you know you're talking about a multi-million dollar estate tax if you don't plan around it. Uh, we have a uh, structure that we've used quite successfully, and by that I mean it's, it's passed uh, audit on several occasions, which not only protects foreign investors uh, from U.S. estate tax, but upon their death uh, allows their, uh, entitles their decedents to a step-up in basis so they can avoid uh, income tax on a, on a post-death sale of the property. It's, uh, it's something that uh, our clients uh, have uh, benefited from greatly.
0: And so when a client comes to you, many questions are coming through your head about what structure is appropriate for them.
2: Absolutely. In the case of uh, what I would call an in- individual uh, investor, uh, his country is country of origin. Uh, the way that uh, his uh, investment in U.S. property Will be taxed in his country of origin, and how that interacts with U.S. tax avoidance of uh, the you know, the potential for uh, uh, the imposition of a state tax, and therefore uh, structuring to avoid uh, a state tax. All of that uh, obviously has to be addressed. The uh, and also um, in the case of in the case of institutional investors. The analysis is um, is actually, um, all the, and this seems counterintuitive, actually is, um, is, is frequently a little bit simpler.
0: Let me throw this question out to both of you. Uh, to what extent do foreign investors overpay or pay more than a, a U.S. real estate purchaser or, or
1: investor would pay? I don't know if they pay more. I don't know if they pay more. I think what happens is they are bidding it up because They're not looking at return as much as safety of investment and security of investment. So they're willing to pay more, and that causes the Americans to pay more. But the Americans will drop out sooner than the foreigners, so therefore the foreigners keep on bidding it up because they want to have the trophy investment.
0: And whoever is selling knows that. Yes. What about money laundering? Is that ever a concern for you as lawyers? You've got to keep all of this on the up and up?
1: Generally, what happens is anytime we have an investment that's coming from overseas, it has to go through it and be subject to the Patriot Act rules at any bank. You cannot invest in the United States with money that has not passed Patriot Act approval with a bank. Now, many of these uh, apartment units, when they are buying apartments, end up staying
0: empty. Why is that? And do you have a value judgment on that? Do you think that's a good thing?
1: Most of these people are extremely wealthy and they're only here six, eight weeks a year. So they buy these fancy apartments and they occupy them very, on a very limited basis. But for many of them, it's just keeping money offshore, not in Russia or in China, where a lot of these people are subject to problems, which they don't have it, if the money is here in the United States.
2: As far as the positives and negatives associated with that fact, the uh, the positives include uh, such things as uh, because their apartments are vacant most of the time, it's not a drain on the resources of their particular building. Uh, it's not a resource and it's not a drain on city resources generally. Uh, on the other hand, uh, th- that means that there are fewer people that are uh, ordering from local businesses uh, and there's just something about an empty, about an empty apartment house that uh, sometimes rubs ru- certain tenants the wrong way. Other people, other uh, other tenants appreciate the uh, uh, the quiet.
0: So Barry, uh, are there any recent developments in the tax law that you have been bringing to the attention of your clients?
2: The qualified opportunity zone program is one that I think is going to be of particular interest to some of our foreign clients. Many times uh, because of the structures they use, uh, they invest through, uh, they are not in the position to do like-kind exchanges when they, um, when they sell their uh, real estate investments off at a, at a profit. And now uh, under the Qualified Opportunity Zone Program uh, they can defer uh, any, any gains like that, um, can uh, reduce, when the uh, gain is ultimately triggered, the, the amount of gain is reduced by as much as 15%, and most importantly, uh, any gains that are rolled over into, into new investments, uh, if held for more than 10 years, will be tax-free upon sale.
0: What about the real estate boom in New York and in other cities uh, across the country? How long do you think it will continue? We've seen prices coming down.
1: Certainly, certainly condo prices have been coming down. Rents have been coming down. Um, I don't know that I would say there's going to be a bust, certainly in the very near future. But there is concern that most real estate investors are thinking that we are probably... In the, I'm going to use the, the baseball vernacular, the seventh or eighth inning of the of the present boom.
2: That being said, uh, we're about to uh, we're about to become the host city for Amazon's uh, second headquarters, and that will be putting certainly an enormous amount of pressure, upward pressure on real estate that is. Uh, adjacent to uh, Long Island City. A- absolutely correct.
0: So, um, good news. Uh, good news for the city. The uh, yeah. the boom times may continue.
2: I would also point out that the, uh, the the pricing of New York City real estate, which is to a certain extent driven by foreign investment, is also a function of a whole slew of macroeconomic, geopolitical concerns. Uh, if Brexit has a negative impact on the EU that, you know, it's, it's projected to have, if uh, Angela Merkel's uh, stepping down in a few months as basically the, uh, the driving force in the EU, uh, that can also have upward pressure on New York real estate.
0: All right, we've been speaking with Mike Zuckerman and Barry Klingman, both partners at Warsaw Burstein, about opportunities for foreign investors in New York real estate Gentlemen, uh, if someone wants more information on this subject or to contact you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, I would say call us. My number, Michael Zuckerman, is 212-984-7836 and...
2: I am uh,
0: 212-984-7727. And, of course, you can go to the uh, Warsaw Burstein website at wbny.com and click on Lawyers and find uh, all of your contact information. You can also listen to more Warshaw Burstein podcasts at WBNY.com and click on Podcasts. I'm John Metaxas, and thanks for listening to today's edition of Warshaw Burstein Perspectives.